Welcome to another edition of Leading and Growing Your Real Estate Business. Well, today on the line, we have the legend himself, Michael Yardney. Now, Michael, if you go to propertyupdate.com.au, that's propertyupdate.com.au, you get the full outline of Michael and his success. You know, Michael started writing regular newsletter on property investment way back in the year 2001. Yes, a little while ago now, long before the term blogging was even in use. He's uh, grown his subscription base to well over 115,000 real estate investors, and he is a guru in leading property investment, as he is a leading property investment advisor for uh, your investment property magazine. Michael is also a successful property investor and property developer, and he's the director of Metropole Property Investment Strategists. My parents' friends, who happened to be my friend's parents, um, they were wealthy. They owned real estate. Uh, they had uh, their own uh, businesses often while my parents were employees. And I saw that these rich people had real estate, had property, had investments, and that's when I decided that's what I wanted to do. The other thing is a youngster, I wanted to become an estate agent. So while others wanted to be pilots and they wanted to uh, uh, do, do fancy things, why? Because I was impressed. In those days, they drove big American cars, the Yang tanks, as we call them. And they, I thought they were rich. I long afterwards realized they weren't. The people they were working for were rich. So I got an inkling and excitement for real estate when I was young. And then uh, in while I was in university, somehow or other, I managed to scrape through. I did part-time jobs. I was working in the stock room at the Portman's Ladies Store. I got half a deposit, shared the other half with my parents and bought my first investment property at the age of 22 or 23. Um, paid $18,000 for a property in Large Street, South Caulfield. We got $12 a week rent, really excited. Took a 30-year mortgage. No idea how we're going to pay off $18,000. Um, and the rest is history. I love it. I love that story. That's fantastic. Well, now, better story, James. Gough Whitlam came into Parliament and uh, inflation went crazy. Uh, the price of the properties went up and I ended up having enough equity to buy a second property. Uh, and then I sold it. I sold it to that my half to my parents when I got married to build a home, uh, bought it back from my mother. I still own that first property. There are two modern townhouses on it worth about two and a half million dollars. Oh, fantastic. That's great. That's great. Now, obviously that journey, you've, you've had some, uh, some ups and downs and some lefts and rights and so forth. What have been, I guess, some of the challenges that you faced that you've overcome to, uh, to really shape you to where you are today? My biggest challenges, look, I've made lots and lots of mistakes. I've made them in my personal life and I ruined my first marriage. I've made a lot of investment mistakes like selling that first property and then buying it back a lot more later uh, by being overconfident and almost going down in the early 90s when we had the recession that we had to have. But I, I, I got through that. Um, I was in a hurry, James. Now, I think that was one of my problems. Plus, I didn't have a plan. I didn't really know where I was going. So uh, I've made investment mistakes, personal mistakes, business mistakes. Oh, boy, I've employed the wrong people along the way. Um, but I've learned from those. And I've got up one more time. Uh, I was tenacious, and I think that helped me. I think initially it was because I was driven by money. We were poor and I was chasing the wrong things. 
Mm, it's interesting, isn't it? And it's interesting how we can actually learn from those challenges to, that can help us to, to make then uh, more informed decisions moving forward. Um, I, I know that you've, you've, you've had some huge wins along the way as well. What are some of those, those wins that you're proud of that you can beat your chest and go, oh, this is what I'm proud of and this, is, this has been fantastic? Well, James, you, you mentioned earlier on about awards, and I've been awarded Australia's leading property advisor four times. Uh, my blog, Property Update, has uh, been ranked the number one real estate blog in the world. Uh, we've just hit uh, this week 10, over 10,000 views uh, since it's been on the latest platform. Um, building a substantial business, they're all secondary wins. Interestingly, what's made me the most proud is my wife, my fam, uh, family, I've been my, with my second wife and our Pam 20 years. Um, our, our kids, I've got four kids and Pam's got two kids. So we've got six children, 10 grandchildren. And again, in an hour's time, when I finish this chat, I'm going to spend the best time of the afternoon uh, of the week, I should say, my Wednesday afternoon with my grandkids. So I'm proud of that. And the other thing I'm actually proud of is I've probably educated more successful property investors than anyone else in Australia. And people send me emails unsolicited out of the blue, Hey, I picked up your book at the airport and it's changed my life. Yesterday, only yesterday, somebody said, oh, you signed a book for my, one of my sons at a seminar years ago and he's gone on and he's bought lots of properties. He's done really well. And I felt proud. I also felt a bit disappointed. He didn't use our services, <laughs> but he did it himself. So that's okay. So I've helped somebody and that's good. And, and that's what I love about you, Michael. It, it's, it's about, it's about, your family it's about helping people it's about tapping into your why um and as you said everything else is secondary you know that's a byproduct of that which is which is amazing it's fantastic i it took me the first half of my life of getting it wrong to realize that when i found a more useful purpose for working for making money for contribution we're running a charity ball again in a couple of months time the third time for uh, very special kids to, to, to be able to give back to the community to to help my kids and grandkids uh, uh, get to, to the next level in their life then everything changed yeah, it's incredible. Now you've been, you, you, you know, your father, your grandfather, you, you've built some amazing businesses with amazing teams. When we talk about leadership and, and really uh, taking the leadership to another level, what is, what is leadership to you and, and how's, how have you developed your leadership abilities over the years? Well, one of the things I learned along the way is to have mentors. So uh, I wasn't taught how to be a leader. I've always spent a lot of time educating myself and learning. And when I realized I didn't have to do it all myself, but I could stand on the shoulders of my mentors and see further, uh, it was much, uh, things changed considerably. So early in life, I had mentors I didn't ever meet personally. Jim Rowan, who said I had to work harder on myself than I had to uh, work on other things. I learned the concept of personal development. That made a big difference. I personally met and spent time with Brian Tracy in, in, in my early days too. And he taught me a, a lot of rules as well. Uh, Jay, uh, Chris Howard, uh, Roger Hamilton. So I spent a lot on personal education. And from there, I learned the leadership skills because no one's born knowing how to do that. And I've made a lot of mistakes. But I think one of the things I realized along the way is a leader actually has to... Uh, give the team a clear vision, give them a reason for, for, for doing something and, and then take them along the journey. So at the beginning of every year, I do go to the various offices and have a, a, 
a bit of a SWOT analysis, our strengths, our weaknesses, our opportunities, our threats. Let everybody have a bit of a say in it and explain where I want to go, where I want to head and invite them to be part of the journey. I think a leader has to therefore give clarity. I think a leader also has to give a level of decisiveness. Uh, they know where I am. I'm consistent. I don't change my rules. Um, I've given them a concept of uh, what our philosophy is and growth, integrity and respect are our, our core values at Metropole. Growth, that's personal growth, growth of the business, growth for our clients, but not growth at any cost. And that's one of the things I've taught them. It's got to be client first. So it's uh, growth with integrity. You don't do a deal just for doing a deal because uh, you soon get found out. And growth, integrity and respect. The respect bit is respecting your peers. And interestingly, that didn't work too well at the early stages of our business, particularly I know the core listeners of this podcast are going to be real estate agents. Pam set up the property management division and I didn't get it how it was the poor cousin or the poor sister and how the sales arm in the buyer's agency uh, didn't respect the, the values that others in the business uh, brought. So I've learned my leadership skills along the way. Wow. Another important leadership trait, in my opinion, James, is is humility. I'm look. I am uh, reasonably well regarded and renowned in the industry, uh, but I've also had my share of tumbles and falls, and so therefore I, I know not to get too smart and not to get too high on my high horse. And I think that's helped me personally, but it's similarly by having a level of humility helped others around me. Passion. I think you can just see just talking about it. I get excited and I get have fun about it. So therefore, you've got to make it a fun environment, uh, passion, and you've got to push people to, to be their best. Uh, uh, I, I think they're the sort of qualities of a good leader that helps a team move forward. Uh, and there are days when you don't feel like it. You can't be bothered. But I do go every morning. I go around and I say hello to everybody. I'd rather just get to my office and do what I've got to do. Uh, and I call as many of them by name as I can. I've learned that's very important. And I do notice things. Yesterday, one of our, our customer service officers had had a new hairstyle and she obviously had spent some money and time doing that and uh, looked, looked actually quite attractive. Um, but I said to her, Hey, Rosemary, I see you've got your hair style. It looks really good. Imagine how that made her feel. Totally, 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 totally. Incredible. And, and that's what I, uh, Michael, that's why I get, there's so many layers from that answer, obviously from the leadership, but then if we're looking then to the more, the cultural element, like that, that, that just acknowledging that the hair, hair uh, cut and hair change is what I call the one percenters. Those things that amazing leaders do within their organization that, you know, just makes it, makes their team feel good. And, and obviously you're, you're a master at it because you, you take the time, you take the awareness. Um, what are the other strategies that you do within your organization that really helps with the culture? How do you, how do you really build and, and uh, define your culture within your organization and develop your culture? Well, the culture's changed over the years, James, because it first started off with my wife, Pam, and me, and a part-time uh, bookkeeper, and one person was added, and then the next, and the next. So it's changed, and culture does come from the top. And our culture in the Melbourne office is very different to the Sydney office, uh, just because of the team leaders there. And the culture in the Brisbane office, uh, which is a licensee, is, is very different again. But so the culture is, I guess, what's left when I'm actually not there, but I should have left them the way of doing things. Uh, so 
one of the ways I help motivate them uh, is, uh, and I've learned that from Tom Panos, who says sends daily uh, emails of uh, mindset, and uh, I've run a mentorship program for a long time for people outside uh, the, the business, and I've mentored over uh, 2,000 people over the last decade. All the team members are welcome to be part of this mentorship program as well, and they get a, a weekly mentorship mindset message from me as well so just to, to talk a bit about things like success about failure about uh, personal development uh, a, a message to to motivate them um, and I still get involved in um, training because I think that's the highest and best use so while I see very very few clients nowadays I'm actually conducting the orchestra I've finally got the business to the point where uh, I conduct the orchestra and I've got a lot of other people playing the instruments uh, I still am involved and interested in it. And I've learned that from other very successful people as well. You can't uh, abdicate certain responsibilities and that's a daily interest in it and uh, motivating them. And my highest and best use, I think, is training them with scripts and dialogues and uh, uh, role plays. Yeah, fantastic, fantastic. Now, you mentioned a lot about your, your mentors that you've had throughout the years um, and, and some, some great pieces of advice. But if you were to give like the listeners three key pieces of advice uh, for helping them to, to lead and grow their business, what would be those three pieces of advice? Now, since we're not live, James, and I'm, I'm sure you're going to be able to cut this out because I actually did write the first page. Hold on. Sure. So you've, you've mentioned some, some great mentors in the past, which has been fantastic, but what, are, what would be sort of three key, three key pieces of advice that you could give the listeners to help them to, to really grow and lead their business? Well, the first piece of advice is you've got to be in the right seat in the bus. There are, I'm not sure who taught me the concept of minders, finders, and grinders in the business. So there are some people who are the finders. They're going to go out and get business. And this is in any business. There are minders who are going to keep looking after uh, people and relationships. And there are grinders, people who are doing the back office work as well. And not everyone can be the bus driver. And that's the problem in a lot of growing businesses that people want to be. And when they actually move in the wrong seat in the bus from uh, being the salesperson to suddenly being the agency principal, you'll find that they, they sometimes crumble a bit. So you've got to find out what your strengths are, what you're good at, and, and continue doing that. And you can't do it on your own. So have the right seat in the bus, but fill the bus with the right people. Number two is that all businesses grow on two principles, innovation and marketing. So you can't just do one without the other. So you've got to be different. You've got to change innovation is happening anyway, but you've also got to be good at marketing. And I think one of the reasons our business has grown well is marketing is a, a passion of mine, but marketing shouldn't be seen as dodgy. Some people think, oh yeah, I, I'm above that. If you've got a service that you believe is genuinely better. So if we're talking to an estate agent and you think you're a really good negotiator and you can do better for the next, for the vendor than somebody else can, they deserve to know about it and it's a shame you're doing them a disservice if you don't market your service. So uh, I, I believe that point two is innovate, find different ways of doing things, otherwise you're just the same, but then market it. And the other rule is you don't have to be the biggest. So you don't have to uh, be uh, the largest agency in your area 
or the biggest one even in your patch, just be the best, the best that you can be because you, you're probably not going to ever get to be the biggest. You're not going to be the next Google, the next Facebook, the next McGrath or the, the, the next talker, but be the best one in your area. Wonderful, 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 wonderful. I mean, there's so many different things around that. I, I, I love the, the, the bus analogy. It's, it's so true. So what, what's coming up for you, Michael? What's coming up in the future? Where, where, where's the direction heading? Well, it started a long time ago as a project management business. We, we got involved in property development in the 80s and I started becoming a development project manager, but I always wanted that rent roll. Remember as a kid, I wanted to be an estate agent. So in 2002, we opened up Metropole Property Management, a licensed estate agency just for property management. And 2004, we opened up one of the early buyers agencies in Melbourne because we had been buying properties for clients uh, for development purposes, but I was building a database. I was building a list and all these people wanted to know about our services, but we weren't helping them buy investment property. So started off as a buyer's agent for investment properties in Melbourne in 2004, Brisbane in 2006, Sydney. I saw the market starting to move in 2008. So we opened our office in 2008, just in time for the global financial crisis, really good timing. But in fact, it was also the time that the Sydney market picked up. So We've been real estate focused and we've built a very, very substantial uh, property management division. But over time, I recognized there was more to, real, uh, to success in property than real estate. And that's where I got sidetracked and got involved in the psychology of success, which I enjoy writing about and teaching about. But I also recognized that real estate is just a vehicle to get people there. So over the years, we've introduced various financial planning uh, elements and so 18 months ago, we set up Metropole Wealth Advisory with Ken Race, who is an accountant and a licensed estate agent and a financial planner, uh, quite a mixture, to give a blend of proper financial advice, independent, uh, but it's also being able to give advice on real estate because most financial planners can't. So the growth of the business, I'm not going to be, I'm following my own rules. I could go to Western Australia. I could go to other parts of Australia. Don't need to. We're going to be good in the big three East Coast capital cities, but help our clients by giving a more diverse range of services, including the financial planning elements so that uh, we don't just sell them a property. We don't sell properties, buy them a property uh, and leave them, but look after them for life, help them grow, protect and pass on their wealth uh, by smart financial planning as well, James. That's where I'm heading. Beautiful. Love that journey. Love that journey. So how can the audience find out more? Where can they go? What, what can they... What can they, yeah. Well, a lot of real estate agents subscribe to my blog, Property Update, and I know a lot of them take bits and pieces and nicely quote me in it and put them in their newsletters. Uh, so propertyupdate.com.au. And uh, for many years, I've had a, a joint partnership with another uh, podcast, but last year I uh, uh, started my own one and quite excited, almost 200,000 downloads now of the Michael Liardney podcast, which you can find on iTunes or Stitcher or all those other good places. Wonderful. Go and check it out. Propertyupdate.com.au and Michael Yardi podcast. Fantastic. Really appreciate your time, energy and expertise, Michael. And uh, yeah, really appreciate it. And listeners, go and check out those details and uh, you, there's so much information there. Once again, thank you very much.